Shalom, and welcome to A Voice Calling in the Wilderness, a trumpet call, a voice crying out loud for God to those who would hear, so they would run to Him, that they might be warned. We are here sounding the alarm that our time here on earth is short and that we have no time to waste. Here we will expose the truth, teach the word, discuss the dangers, lies, and enemies we are surrounded by, and how to engage in the war we are standing in the middle of. Today we are joined by Pastor Steve Morris, and we're here to talk about men. What is the role of a man? What are the challenges men face? What are the weaknesses of men? How can men develop into what God designed them for? Welcome, Pastor Morris. It's great to have you with us today. It's good to be here. I'm excited about our time. Well, today I'd like to talk to you about men. What is the role that God has for men and what the challenges men face stepping into that role? Sure. The truth is, we've always lived in a patriarchal society. Through Satan and those that follow his plans have spent a great amount of time and resources to tear this down. The enemy of men would have people believe that men cannot be victims, that the world is set up to favor men, and that they are privileged or have an unfair advantage in life. The truth is, men are under constant attack. So, Pastor Morris, I know that you counsel a lot of men all the time. Would your experiences indicate that men are under attack? Oh, no doubt. Men are suffering. Young men in school, you can look at them just comparing them with, with young ladies, and they struggle um, in many, many ways, uh, in severe, you know, in just a lot of different ways, in ways that young ladies do not struggle. Um, identity issues, finding their identity through comparison. Um, not saying that girls don't do that, but uh, men struggle in many, many areas today. So in your opinion, what is the purpose of these attacks? Well, Satan wants to take out the, the leader. God has obviously uh, made a a way uh, for society to operate. And God in the family certainly has raised up the man as the leader. And uh, so Satan wants to take him out first and foremost. You know, it's like Goliath says to David, he says, or to the army, you send a man out here and we'll fight with him. And if, if I defeat him, then all of you will be our slaves. So Satan is not playing games, obviously. So you mentioned that boys suffer from comparison issues. So some men are extremely scared by their vulnerability. It doesn't fit their image of masculinity, their perception of real manhood. It has been understood that girls become women by growing up. But boys, they seem to have to pass a test. They need to show courage, demonstrate physical prowess or mastery of skills. Essentially, the goal was to prove that their competence as providers and protectors. That's historically what is meant mean to grow up and be a man. In turn, this rite of passage is conferred to men and shapes their views of masculinity. This is a long-standing tradition that still holds to this day. More recently, these lessons of rites and of passage have become less consistent, less universal, and less defined. Would you agree with that? So now men are confused about what it means to be a man and what their role is in their society, in their own families, and to themselves. So how do we get men, or how would you get men, to embrace their vulnerability, to understand that it isn't a weakness, or that it makes them less than a man? I think that's extremely hard. There has to be authentic relationships. And I think when men can, can, what I am passionate about is getting men alone, that they can find their identity in Christ, not in uh, so many other social things that men compare themselves among themselves. And scripture say those who do that are not wise. 
because we get our identity from comparison in our culture. I mean, that's just, we have these false pseudo, uh, you know, rites of passage that are not biblical at all. And so it always ends with somebody losing and maybe someone winning in the short term, but ultimately coming out prideful and self-reliant and all these things that ultimately are not the test of manhood at all. So you teach people to stop comparing the size of their trucks or their homes or how much there's in their bank. Instead, you're talking to them more about getting alone with God and learning a new identity. Yes. And how do you see that impacting their lives when they do that? Well, I know it has been one of the most powerful things in my entire life to uh, find my identity in Christ. And that only came through spending a lot of time with him um, and him stripping me of so many different things that I had found my identity in. You know, one of the things that I found my identity in was just even doing good things. You know, I, I uh, found my identity in activity and lots of it. And so I stayed busy constantly. And one of the hardest things in my life for me to do was to be still and know that he is God and that I am his son. And, you know, that's what God the Father shared about Christ. He says, you are my son, whom I love, in whom I'm well pleased. That was the first identification. Who you are in Christ is one of the most important things we can teach men today. That's why Satan, when he came to, to Jesus in the wilderness, he said, if you are the son of God, you know, and that's what he constantly is coming to us. He's trying to get us to get our identity in anything outside of the only place we can truly find it, and that's in Christ. So that's, the I, I believe, one of the most important things for men, to find their identity in Christ. You know, uh, God gave us work in the garden, and it was not a curse, but it was not where we got our identity from. So many men now, two weeks after or a few months or whatever, after they finish their job and get their watch or whatever that happens at the end, they have nothing to live for because their identity was in their activity. And those are just roles that you may play or responsibilities you may have. It's not who you are. And that's the tough thing to teach men. Yeah, I've noticed that uh, there's a lot of men that when they retire, say they're engineers or plumbers or electricians, or they are a plumber. They are mm -hmm. an engineer. They are, you know, a mechanic. They are this. Many of those men, when they retire, they four or five years, they're gone. Mm-hmm. Because you're right, they've lost that identity. So what do I do now? Yep. And they may have a hobby that they've always wanted to do, but they've sometimes they find that the time has passed them and they can't go do it anymore, either physically or, or financially even. So they don't even have that to fall back on. So now they can't go be what they were. So they end up sitting on a couch or sitting in a dark room somewhere and just wasting away very quickly. Whereas I've seen Christian men who find their identity in Christ, when they retire from their job, they still have their identity. Mm -hmm. And I know so many of these men are 86, 90, 92 years old. They've been retired for 30 some years, 40 years, but they have retained the identity they had prior to retirement. So nothing really changed other than their vocation. Yep. And so I, I agree. I think I've seen a lot of that, especially if you look to the older generations of Christians, you can see it. Compare them to their peers that weren't believers, and a lot of them are gone. So I think that's very telling in, in what you were saying. So I'd like to switch to a minute to dreams. All men have dreams. 
we all have that thing that we just, it's our dream job, or this is what we think we want to do in the world to make a difference or an impact. Or what I want to do to be independent, maybe. You know, maybe I want to be a roofer, own my own business, or a contractor, general contractor or something. But sometimes things don't work out. No purpose of our own. It's just the economy's not right. There's too, many, too much competition in an area. You just don't get to fulfill that dream. A lot of men see this as failure. They see that as a personal failure on them. And they, a lot of times, sink into a depression or lose motivation for life. They tend to turn to destructive paths because they can't live this dream that they've always wanted to do. Have you seen that in men's lives? Yeah, I think, um, I think you see it on either side of the two-sided coin. Some, some guys just give up and they just, you know, just live complacent lives. Others, they will uh, succeed in what they thought would bring them success and they realize that it's empty on the other side. And that can be the most depressing of all, you know. Um, and so there's, there's it's a, like I said, it's a two-sided coin. You see men on either side. For me in my life, you know, I had uh, a dream of discipling kids through martial arts. And what God has taught me is there has to be the death of that dream. Pastor Gary has taught us that many times. You know, it's all through Scripture. And I've seen it multiple times. God has asked me numerous times to give that dream up. And it has been the most painful thing in my life because it was given to me as a little child. And But there's a saying that says you got to give up to go up. And sometimes when we see that dream dying, we have to say, God, I'm, I'm giving this to you. And that's when I've seen the most blessing on the different things that uh, God has laid on my heart, dreams that were for righteousness, you know, but at the same time, I still had to surrender that dream because that dream was trying to overshadow my relationship with the Lord. And when I gave that up to him, and some of them were painful, months of agonizing, painful, you know, uh, torturous, uh, you know, surrender at that time in my life. And then just feeling the elation of the joy of that total surrender and then God's blessings and favor just resting on that dream. I think that's extremely important for men to understand that they need to give their dreams to God and their dreams need to. Many dreams that so many people have today, like so many young men, I'll give you an example. So many young men today in this generation want to grow up to be UFC fighters and all this kind of stuff. And it's like, well, 30 years ago, you wouldn't have had that dream because that didn't exist. And so they're, they're products of their culture. And we need to teach men to get a, a, a dream that is, is something that will be eternal, that will make an eternal difference, right? Transcends culture. And that happens only as you delight yourself in the Lord. It says, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. So when we have desires that have been foisted upon us, that this is what a man is, why do so many young men have that dream? Because they think, if we compare ourselves among ourselves and I can defeat other men, then I prove my manhood. They still have that dominion mindset. They have all these things from God that taps into that warrior side of them, that taps into all these kinds of different things. But... It's not for selfish vain or vainglory or selfish pride, all these kinds of things. If God purifies that dream and says, I see those inner desires, I placed them there, but don't prostitute yourself for the wrong dream. And so many of those dreams today that men are dreaming is just things that our society have pushed on men that says, this is the mark of manhood. You got to drink this much beer. You got to burp this loud. You got to be able to do all these different things. And that's what makes you a man. 
So we got to go back to the word. Jesus Christ is the perfect picture of a man. Mm -hmm. And when he comes to the temple at 12, 13 years of age, he understands that a man is someone who gives himself to something bigger than himself. And when he realizes what it's going to cost him, at least partially, and he's willing to take that on joyfully. So when Christ looks at that lamb, they're bringing all these lambs in. I believe this moment happened in him where he grew in wisdom and understanding and he sees the sacrificial lamb and says, I am that. That lamb represents me and I will be back in around 20 years to lay my life down and be that sacrificial lamb. And from that point, he's talking to the men. Why? Because he's a man. He is a man because he's living every second for a bigger purpose than self. So... I don't know how to say anything after that. That's that's really good. Um, so I think that some of that, what you're talking about, what society's teaching men is, that's taught on every college campus in America. Mm-hmm. We can identify where that information comes from. So I understand what you're doing now to combat that. And I, I think that's that's great because they're already getting somebody else teaching the other side of that coin. Well, even now they're talking, or they're trying to teach men that they shouldn't be men. Mm-hmm. Um, that they should embrace the opposite. Yep. Well, and we getting, we're getting confusion about gender here now. So great, the societal question of what makes a man is completely in question. And they're doing it at the age of like four and five now. Yep. Yeah, there's all kinds of people right now pushing to push hormone shots to stop or pause puberty until somebody can decide what gender they want to be. Rather than, you know, accepting the fact that gender is decided before birth. Right. God is not the author of confusion. What you see, our society just going backwards and backwards and backwards. Mm-hmm. First, they attacked marriage, right? That was the first institution that God gave us. Right. Then he, the first blessing that he gives us is he blesses the womb, right? Then he blesses the barns. If you look in the Old Testament, what has happened? He's stolen from us, our children in this generation. So um, now we're literally looking at he's stealing our gender. What's the first thing that comes out of your mouth when you have a child? At least a few years ago, it's a boy, it's a girl, Mm -hmm. right? It says God created them male and female. So we're down to the very first institution, the first blessing, and the very first words that come out of your mouth, Mm -hmm. right? That's the first identification mark that God says, I'm creating them in my image and in my likeness, male and female. And so we're down to... The foundation of everything in society, Satan is trying to ha- to hand these these children a bag of bolts and say, "You figured out." Yeah, I mean, we had a whole industry that was built on gender reveal parties, and now we're supposed to throw that whole industry out because there's no such thing. Yeah, and there's like thirty six or seventy two genders now, and you can't even keep up. It changes daily. So, yeah, I, I understand this confusion that these men are having because you're right. Satan and society, his minions, are purposely making it super difficult to, A, identify what it means to be a man, and two, if you figure that out, they chastise you for living that life. Because anything male right now, natural male, is chastised and and demonized. All the faults of the world belong to the men. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, the truth is where we're seeing this mostly is coming from corporate um, corporate America and media as like a representation of what we're supposed to believe is, is going on everywhere. But in reality, 
you know, we walk around and you don't run into every other guy is, is posing as a woman. You might find that once out of every couple thousand people, if, if that, you know, depending on where you are. I'm sure if you're in a inner city and you're in that area of culture and you're going to those clubs, you'll see more of it. But the, the typical person is not seeing that. It's not the norm. It's just being told to us. It's being sold to us as if it is the norm so that we have to accept and believe that it's supposed to be that way when, in fact, it's not. Mm -hmm. So that leads me into my next question is men are now facing a, a significant amount of rejection. And rejection is something that everybody faces, no matter what gender you are. You know, you hear a lot of things in life, right? no. No, there'll be no second date. No, you can't have this job. No, we don't want to hang out with you. No, I don't want to be your friend. No, no, no. In modern society, men are being rejected because of their gender. They are demonized because of it, and they're blamed for the sins of other, both real and or imagined, just because they share a gender with somebody who did something that others didn't like. Another problem lies in that men are not typically taught how to deal with rejection. This is unfortunate due to the fact that many men ex may experience more rejection than women do because there are more expectations that men must fulfill. Many times men will turn to destructive behaviors to ease their pain of rejection. So how are you using God's word and your transformed to help men overcome rejection? First and foremost, I mean, I just I just met with a man last night, and he said well, what he got out of Transformed, and we'll talk about that in a little while, but he was just sharing with me is a renewed passion and fervor to get into God's Word. And, uh, you know, he said what he heard so clearly over there was that when Jesus performed his first miracle, you know, they had to go fill up those those pots with water. And then Christ did the miracle and turned the water into wine. And so he said what the Holy Spirit shared with him over there so clearly is his job is not to turn the water into wine, not to dish it out to every other person. That's God's job. His job is to fill his vessel, his mind, his heart with the word of God to the very brim, right? It mm -hmm. says, let the word of God dwell in you richly. And so... Um, I find very few men that are spending a significant amount of time in God's Word, and uh, it is it is a discipline issue, and but it turns to a delight issue. Um, there are disciplines that I have, like very simple. I don't ever get on social media without getting in God's Word first. I have this rule in my life. I put God's Word first, and that's a discipline issue. But I, you'll find me many times with the Word of God with tears streaming down my face because it, it is a delight issue as well. But I've placed those things in my, in my life, those safeguards, so that I don't end up wasting my time with frivolous things that would take me away from the important things. So it is self-discipline, but it is out of love for Him, and it is love restraint. It doesn't feel so, something that is negative. It's the joy of my life. But I know in the past I've said, wow, I just spent 20 minutes on social media, you know, or whatever it is. And I, I want to redeem the time because the days are incredibly, incredibly evil. So I, I think first and foremost is just get men back in the word of God. Mm -hmm. You know, just it's very, very simple. God will speak to you if you get with him early in the morning. That's That's been 
something that is powerful, um, just getting in the Word of God. And I know that's incredibly simple, but God has been speaking to men and giving them the discipline to do that. And then it turns to a great delight. And then God turns that water of the Word into something supernatural that everybody tastes and says, wow, why did you save the best for last, (laughs) right? And it's simply, we're doing our job of saying, God, speak to me. I humble myself. I mean, one of the guys that saw probably more healings than any other besides the Apostle Paul or somebody like that um, was a man named John G. Lakes. And he, he read the Word of God every day on his knees. He humbled himself. To understand something, you have to stand under it. And we have to humble ourselves as men every single day and say, God, speak to me through your precious word. And I'm seeing that, I'm seeing that rebirth in the men that get over there, you know, to, to transform. They have a renewed passion and discipline to get in the word of God. And God is speaking to them and you're seeing the spirit flow through their lives. That's awesome. So we talked a lot so far about how men are specifically targeted by the enemy. And I wanted to spend just a minute on something. And by the way, I think we forgot to introduce our, our producer, Michael Grant, who jumped in there a couple of times. I appreciate that, but that is our producer, Michael Grant. He will, you'll hear him from time to time from now on. And uh, we appreciate him and, and welcome his questions as well. But Michael, you talked a little bit about how Hollywood and corporate media and have all target men. They dumb down male characters in, in movie and television shows. That make fathers look like imbeciles. The entire porn industry is an attack on men, I believe, and the family design. Men are introduced to fantasy worlds that change their brain chemistry and sets unrealistic expectations in the real world, thus destroying their ability to have healthy relationships. Pornography is one of the leading destructors of marriages in America. Statistics show that 77% of men in the church view pornography between once a month and once every three months. 18 to 38% view pornography daily. And 18 to 32% believe that they are addicted to pornography. That is in the church. For non-followers, the numbers are staggeringly higher. Why, in your opinion, Pastor Steve, is pornography so rampant in our churches? Well, this has been, this has been their plan for 100 years. Um, obviously, Satan's plan for all eternity or all, all of time to kill, steal, and destroy, but they have consistently come over to America in the 20s and 30s and say, through media, we're going to break down the man. If they can, they can uh, appeal to the base instincts of a man, right, and get his view cut from something multi-generational to the weekend or instant gratification, right? then they cut the root of vision, purpose, meaning, everything. And then shame, guilt, we get on this rat wheel of all of these different motivations, right? They're finding their identity, they think, and security and all these different things besides the curiosity, the pleasure of instant gratification, and all of these things just play a huge part in this huge trap that Satan has set up. And then there's the shame. Nobody wants to confess so and, and humble themselves and, and, you know, share with other people because of the shame of that sin. And so it, it, is, it is something that Satan has used 
in massive ways in our generation, not to mention most of the young, most of the young men today are growing up without a good relationship with their father. So it makes them incredibly vulnerable to this stuff, incredibly vulnerable and without a vision and, and the, the power of the Holy Spirit to, to defeat these types of things. then we just see this constant, you know, uh, men just living in this beat up state and this powerless state. And, and um, God, is, God is redeeming that. He's redeeming that through, through uh, putting their proper identification. I know I was just sharing this with la- last night with a man that, um, that that would be, you know, a, a weakness of mine in the sense of if I did not stay close to the Lord, I know, you know, I know where my weaknesses are. And so I guard myself very, very uh, closely. I'll give you an example. When I got married, you know, I, I had already had a home in Ings and I was I was fairly financially secure at that point. And yet at, at the beginning of our marriage, I couldn't even get on my own computer because I asked my wife. I wanted trust to be the foundation. And I knew that lots of men were failing this way. And so I wanted to come from the get-go and say, honey, will you allow me on the computer? Now, I, that's not the case in my life anymore. But I do have systems on my computer that if something was even uh, slightly suggestive, it would get emailed to my wife instantly, right? Um, so there's all kinds of different ways that you can defeat this. Um, but primarily, it is it is in the relationship with Christ, finding your identity in him, your security, right? Fellowship with other brothers, having a, a vision. Mm-hmm. That's what holds me. That's what holds me. It's just saying, God, I knew as a, as a young man uh, struggling with that at 13, that God showed me, Steve, I have a, a road for you to walk that's going to be instrumental in possibly thousands or maybe even more, tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of people making it to, to heaven. And if you, if you destroy your own life, you're going to take down many people with you. And so that vision that God gave me of the calling he had on my life held me, you know, in times of great temptation, even mm. when my love for Christ hadn't grown to the point where that was the most significant driver, it was the vision that I had. And so many men, they're, they're visionless. Mm. They're visionless, yeah. you know? And so the short term is all that they have. The gratification looks so good in the moment. And they don't, I call it the Esau syndrome, you know, trading eternal treasures for momentary pleasures. Just mm-hmm. boom. If I find that interesting that your methodology of keeping yourself on track is is something that I, I know that our, our former vice president, Mike Pence, he had a rule that he did not meet with other women without his wife present mm. because he wanted to make sure that there were boundaries that he could not cross. And I think it, that as a, a Christian, one, being able to understand our limitations and be able to gird ourselves against those limitations to protect ourselves from that vulnerability, that's a huge step in maturity. And I think that for me, I think if men can understand that, then they won't see that as a weakness. They'll see that as a strength because they're wise enough to take that step. Mm-hmm. And I know that our, our former vice president took a lot of heat for that in society. Society's never going to understand that. They're going to look at that and they think that's silly, that, oh, you're weak, you can't control yourself. Well, the truth is, is nobody can control themselves. Yeah. We wouldn't have an alcohol problem if that was true. You know, we, nobody would get a DUI 
And the truth is that one of the, the number one reason for divorce in America today is some form of pornography because of the betrayal that it leads to, because of the, the distancing, the loneliness, the separation. All of those things are listed as the top drivers for divorce in America. And we have an extremely high divorce rate. And every one of these go back to pornography or some form of it. And a lot of pornography ends up leading to extramarital affairs. So we have infidelity that gets thrown in there that goes back to pornography again. So I think it's, it's great that you have, are helping men to identify this vulnerability, helping them find ways to overcome it. Um, so I don't, I don't want to short you here, but... Um, what are some of these benefits that you can see that men are having by overcoming pornography? Oh, just power. I mean, purity and power go together, you know? And I remember one time was just seeking the Lord, God, asking God, God, give me power. I want power in the spiritual realm to, to be able to affect people's lives for you. And I'm just praying passionately for this. And it was one of the strongest rebukes I've ever had in my whole life. I, God said, stop praying for power. I want you to seek me for purity. If you are all mine, right, and every passion, every goal, every ambition, everything is for my glory, then my power will flow through you. And so when, when, there, is, when there is secret sin, right, mm -hmm. you, you lose the power. And, and the saddest thing in the world is to see the church, many of the men in the church having this secret sin and being like Samson, who once was, you know, could defeat a thousand men, that the Spirit of the Lord would come upon him. Mm -hmm. And now we're supposed to be people that are abiding in his presence and have that all the time, mm -hmm. that his Spirit is within us. It doesn't come with upon us, but he's within us. And uh, the saddest verse in the whole Bible probably is that, you know, Samson thought he was going to shake himself and he didn't know the Spirit of the Lord had left him. And he was powerless. And I believe that that's, that's the case for the majority of men in the church. They, they have secret sin in their life, and they don't know how to deal with it. They're worn out. They're tired. They're hopeless at this point. They're living under shame and guilt and all of these kinds of things. And there is a avenue and a path out, but it, is, it, is, it takes humility. But humility comes before honor. And if you can convince that guys that, that they are in a place that they are loved, they are accepted, and we're not going to look down of them for the struggles that we've all been through, probably if we're honest, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, that God, it, there is a path out. I can say I have lived free of that garbage because that's what it is. When you look at so many of the young ladies, the truth will set you free. So mm -hmm. let, me, let me give you an illustration, okay? Well, I, was gonna, I wanted yeah. to, just for a second, the number one reason for divorce in, in, in America is lies and secrets. Mm -hmm. So you just you just hit it. Yeah. That's the number one reason. And this is that's this whole art this whole topic of pornography is about secrecy. Mm -hmm. We don't have bars where you go and sit to watch pornography openly with other people, but we do about drinking. Yeah. So, you know, alcoholism, not a secret sin. Pornography, very, very secret, very, very hidden. Yep. And and it's a betrayal. Sorry, I didn't yeah. no. go ahead. But when you look, um, I don't know specifically off the top of my head all the statistics, but I know this is that so many of the young ladies in that industry, they, you know, are considered daddy's little girl, mm. that they have been abused by their perverted father. 
and and so you have this this terrible shame and guilt on them many of them at one at one time it was a huge percentage of them that were struggling with drug addictions just to deal with the shame and guilt that they sensed that they knew that they were breaking up thousands if not millions of marriages all over America and feeling the weight of that. Mm -hmm. And so when you look at all this behind the scenes and you can see it for what it is, it's a lie, it's a scam. And uh, then it just kind of pops the bubble, you know, and it can, it, it loses its power in, in, in a lot of the senses. And, and also when you can appreciate what God has given you, that if he gives you a, a desire, he will give you a proper righteous way to fulfill that desire. Mm -hmm. And pornography steals the joy I remember just looking at some scantily lady, you know, dressed lady one time and God just instantly showed me this is stealing the joy of what I gave you. And I saw it differently. You know, and that was just a, a lady walking by and God was just just saying, you know, uh, I, I want your heart to be solely for your wife, your eyes solely for your wife. You've all heard the saying probably, you know, you love one woman, you love them all. You love all of them, you love none. Mm -hmm. And so... Um, just the appreciation for what God has given us is a beautiful thing as well. Yeah, and one of the things that's described with this industry and the addiction that goes with it is the more a person feeds that appetite, the less it can be satisfied. Mm -hmm. So you, at some point, you cannot slake the lust that you have. Mm -hmm. So this leads to far more greater, more destructive, even more destructive things, which is kind of hard to believe because it's fairly destructive. But So what you've talked about here a lot today goes back to the root of relationships. Whether we have solid foundational relationships with our families or with God, or if we're trying to have a solid, unfulfillable relationship with society, basically. And so many men are trapped in this being stuck in the world relationship of well, how people view me, what do the people see, what's my image, how can I be satisfied from the next thirst, the next, next lust, whether it be pornography or food or alcohol or marijuana or you name it. There's so many things that fill people's lusts today, entertainment and this next sports thing or betting, gambling and all kinds of stuff. One person called it rotating boredom. Right. And, and it, it really is because... Yeah. If you see how fast our world changes now, it's a merry-go-round buffet of things for people to pick from because you only got five-minute attention stand. You can't stand on this thing very long before you got to try something new. So what you've talked about a lot here is really the root of it is relationships. So can you tell us the impact that you see in men when they start to develop a true relationship with God and how that process kind of works? Well, the Lord drew me away one time, and I had known him as my father. I had known him as provider. I had known him as my friend, all these different things. But really what cured me and set me on a totally different track was to come to know him as a spiritual lover, you know, and he wooed my heart away with him. And I, I ever since that day, I've called it a spiritual honeymoon um, to the point where at the end of when I was with that time with the Lord, it was a, a nine day period of time where I was just in a room with the Lord. Um, and my relationship, I didn't even know you could be that. In, I, I had no earthly idea that you could be that intimate with the Lord. I've never shared with anybody really the level of intimacy that I felt with the Lord. But um, there were times that just just weeping uncontrollably. And I couldn't even, I, could, I wouldn't even have been able to tell you why I was weeping. 
I had no idea. Um, but it was identity in him. It didn't matter what anybody else in the entire world thought. It was such, and then it would just like, it would just give me a wave of security. Like, I don't have to fear for anything in my entire life. There's absolutely no fear, right? Then a sense of pleasure, his pleasure, just, I just, I'm, you, you make me incredibly happy, you know? And, and just w with every aspect of my life, not that I'm saying that, you know, there's nothing he wants to change about me that I'm, you know, he's, he's discipling me from glory to glory, mm -hmm. <laughs> but he's just saying, uh, you know, I'm pleased with you and just sensing that the security, the identity, the pleasure, the joy that he had in me and all of these different things. I didn't know you could experience that uh, to that level at all. And so whenever I left after weeping for days you know, I sat in my truck and I, I couldn't leave. I just couldn't leave. I sat there for 20 minutes just weeping, um, you know, and uh, that has turned into something we call transformed with the weekend, you know, getaways where guys just go over and all it is is just just trying to teach men what God took me through um, in those nine days that I, I only learned experientially, you know. So it's been ex very, very exciting. Well, that leads right into what I was going to ask you to talk to us about next. So tell us a little bit more about Transformed, if you will. You know, what you're going to be doing there, what you, you know, what the minute are going to experience and, and those kind of things. And, and just kind of lead us through how that works and, and why men should come and, and see it. Well, let me tell you how, I, how I went over there the first time. Yes. It started um, just on a Sunday morning. I was reading scripture and I literally... If I remember correctly, I think I actually put my hand out to see if I could feel what I was seeing with my eyes because I thought that the words came off the page literally, uh, like 3D effect. I've never seen that before ever in the reading. But I knew God was getting my attention. It was just Samuel talking to Saul, and he said, go away to Gilgal for seven days, and I will until I come to you, and I will make you into a new man. And so I just went on this prayer walk, and God just burn it in my soul, like leave now. I, I'm calling you away. So there, he, he spoke to me. I, I would bet my life on it, right? <laughs> and so I just told yeah. my wife, I said, honey, I got to get away. I don't even know where I'm going, what I'm doing. And she got found me this place over there called Lake Placid Camp and Conference Center. So I went over there and just got in a room, you know? And uh, for three days, I knew I was, I was just in a place of desperation in my life. I was working on a couple of homes. I was pastoring. I had the school. I had a a business going. I had nine children. I had all this stuff going on, and I was just running from five in, in the morning to 11 o'clock at night every day. I was exhausted. I was worn out, and I knew something had to happen, and I didn't know the steps to get out of all of the roles that I was in, and so God took me over there, and just with an expectancy that was off the charts, I told her, I don't even know if I'm ever coming back because I'm not leaving until God does what he wants to do. He told me he was going to meet with me, and so that was, that was the word that he gave me. So the expectation was so incredibly high. Um, so at any rate, having that expectation, um, I went over that I was going to hear from the Lord. And for three days, I just sought the Lord as hard as I possibly could. And he just shared with me that this was all about preparation. And he supernaturally healed me, you know, um, that first time I went over, I didn't eat or drink anything for those first three days. And I was sitting there at the end of the three days holding a cup of water, and I just said, Lord, I want this water so bad, but I want you worse than I want this water. And tears were just streaming down in my face at that point. And instantly something just came over me, and God just 
supernaturally healed my back that I had struggled with for 15 years. I could not run for 15 years. And that was the, that was the times of the greatest intimacy with the Lord up to that point is when I would just run and talk to him every morning or, you know, whenever I got a chance to run. And, uh, so any rate, he gave that back to me. He gave that back to me and touched my back that first time. And, uh, so then he just taught me, um, a lot of different things. One being solitude. I thought it was about isolation. He taught me that it was about intimacy with him. You can be most intimate with your wife when you're alone. And then he taught me about stillness. You know, um, I got my identity from my activity and uh, he just, he made me be still, completely still. And when I realized that I wasn't how much I could do or what I had done or what I possibly could do or how well I could do what I did or how much I could do and just realized that I was his son. Um, that just changed my life. And then uh, just silence. He taught me through silence that it was about humility to listen to his voice. And he spoke to me so clearly over there that uh, he revolutionized my whole life. So when guys come over, you know, for just 48 hours, I just, we combined about 30 different principles one being preparation, right? God prepares our hearts and then having an awesome, incredible um, expectation of what he's going to do. And then teaching guys just to give their full attention to the Lord, total attention and submission. And the stories are just endless of guys hearing the Lord, uh, coming back, whether it's, you know, quitting their job and getting into another whole different field um, because they heard from the Lord or guys being uh, set free from pornography addictions. We've seen more men than I can count come free of pornography over there. It's been just absolutely glorious, absolutely glorious, you know, and, and men just weeping and having times of total freedom from something. I remember one young man just saying he felt like a, a worn out pogo stick because he had repented of the sin so many times had glorious times, and then fall right back into it, you know, and God has just uh, done amazing things in his life. So there's been uh, so many different things that God has done through these weekends, you know. I say it's three days that will change your life. Sounds like it. I know from my experience, it's, it's a wonderful experience, and I've seen amazing things happen over there. So uh, you have an, another event coming up very, very soon. Uh, matter of fact, as this show airs, it's only a couple days away. So will there still be time for men to sign up a couple days out? Sure. All right. I think so. If we don't, <laughs> if we don't uh, run out of rooms, we've got 160 spots for April 30th. So All right. through May 2nd. That sounds great. So where would people go if they wanted to sign up? Well, you would, uh, you would go to www.transformed.men. And uh, if you, uh, this will be a little little close to, to this next one. So if there's nothing available, um, we'll have the dates for the following one available and more information where you can contact and, and get in touch with people. Right. And if you go to our website for The Voice Here, we will make sure that we post those new dates as they come up so people can find you. Um, yeah, we... and you can find the link on our site at vrbroadcast.org. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, Pastor Morris, we thank you so much for coming and talking to us today. I, I look forward to the work that God's doing through your uh, transformed events, and uh, I, I've seen a lot of things happen already that's great over there. 
it is beautiful to watch men get set free and men that come in holding their heads down walk out with their chest sticking out. That's an amazing thing to see. And I, I just, I thank you so much for answering God's call, being obedient and, and doing this work because you're impacting a lot of people's lives through Transformed. That's exciting. <laughs> Seeing marriages healed and, and men healed, restored, leaving with hope and vision and a passion to serve God with all their heart, you know? Amen. It's exciting. Well, we, we sure appreciate you coming by today, and we'd love to have you back. I want to come bring you back, and you have a book out that is just absolutely amazing uh, about blessing and miracles, and I'd love to have you come back and talk to us about that, if you would. Um, I think that it's an extremely inspiring book, and if you all have a chance to go get it out there, it's called Miracle on Merkel Street. Miracle on Merkel Street. on Amazon. It's a great book. Um, I read it an hour and a half. I know our senior pastor, he's he's a show-off. He read it in 45 minutes. So um, it's not a great big book, but, man, it's a powerful, powerful book about blessing and miracles that can happen when you just trust in God. Yep. And, and I highly recommend it. So for our audience, I would just thank you for being with us today and, and listening to us talk about men, the challenges that we have as men, the world that we face, the attacks that we're under, and— the ways that we can overcome these attacks, live the life that God intended us to live, and that there are resources like Transformed out there that can help us realign our lives biblically and find true leaders out there that will care enough, that will walk with us to help us get back on track so we can have a right relationship, a glorious relationship with our Creator. So I'd like for you to take a moment, if you would, and subscribe to our podcast. Don't forget to visit our website, as Grant said, at vrbroadcast.org, where you can find more teaching and ask questions of the show and our guests, like Pastor Steve here. You can ask him questions about transformed men, whatever you want to ask. We'll try to get the answers for you as quick as possible. Also find us on Facebook at A Voice Calling in the Wilderness. And if you want to hear more messages from Pastor Morris, you can find him at pcnh.church. He leads a service on Sunday nights called Family on Fire. It's a wonderful service. I ask that you all check it out. It's great. And do us a favor. Recommend this podcast to your friends and family. And thank you again for listening. And have a blessed day.